Welcome to the Notion Club, where all your thoughts and ideas are free. <laughs> you have indeed found the Notion Club. Welcome. And uh, today I've got with me, and as always, Mariah. And uh, we're going to, uh, I don't know, like have a little bit of a story time and uh, talk about some uh, weird articles that we've recently found. Um, I don't know, in this time of like, pure chaos with, uh, you know, coronavirus going around. Um, we do at least want to mention it and talk about how that's affected us a little bit, but uh, it's like all anybody's talking about, so I think we kind of want to give everybody a little bit of break from that and um, talk about some other things going on. Okay, so, but what was yeah. that intro? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's just a little spitball and I don't know. Aw, <laughs> you're in such a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i should be but yeah i guess i am <laughs> that's good no i think it's good to be positive <laughs> yeah um i don't know i mean like i don't really know what i think about the virus entirely i'm just hearing so many different opinions from you know quote-unquote experts and they just yeah. range for, for for like every extreme you can think and so I don't really know, but to, for me anyway, like I've decided that going forward with this, the best approach for me is to view this as an opportunity to uh, really come down on myself and like uh, get better at the things I want to get better at. And, mm. um, you know, I, my plan is to just like hunker down and really, really concentrate on making music um, and read the books I've been wanting to read, uh, just better myself as a person. And um, I think this is kind of a good opportunity to do that. Will you be writing a COVID-19 song? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it now. Like, the problem is I don't know what I think about it. <laughs> you could be like, strum, so. strum, strum, paper <laughs> the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, can get rid but... of that. I don't want my <laughs> singing voice here. <laughs> hey, if, if mine's going to stay in, so is yours. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, like, and I don't want to trivialize the people who are facing hard times because there definitely are people who are hurting by all this. But like yeah. for me, like the hardest thing has been toilet paper. Mm. I, I don't understand the madness in that. Like, why did the toilet paper have to go? Yeah, I just... I wonder if it's because a lot of people have never gone through a crisis like this. I don't know. Because yeah. um, it's not like we're instructed on how to prepare for viruses, like large-scale viruses. Or, you know, like, that there might be scarcity. How do you prepare for that? Um, doesn't seem like a lot of... At least uh, middle and upper class families have that um, plan in in the back of their minds. Maybe is that is that uh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that sounds legit to me. Like, yeah, maybe everybody was just deciding to prepare for the worst. Yeah. And once you hear something's getting snatched up, 
Yeah. But I mean, like, I I was stupid for not going out and buying toilet paper. Mm. (laughs) Wound up being on my last roll before my family saved me and donated some to me. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, um, I saw a lot of memes about it and a lot of articles about, like, how people were, like, ransacking stores. And I was like, that's not going to happen here. And then I went to the store because we actually needed toilet paper. We had, like, two rolls left. And I generally go and get a 25 pack because then I don't have to buy toilet paper for like, I don't know, two months. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part about buying toilet paper is uh, carrying it in. Yeah. Because it's so large, uh-huh. it's so bulky than the rest of your groceries. Uh huh. And so, yeah, so I went to go buy like a large pack and then I was like, oh, well, I'll just get something smaller um, because. As I was going through the the store, like the closer I got to like paper goods and stuff, I started noticing the the aisles were emptier and emptier. And then I got to the toilet paper, and I was like, Ah, yes, I will not be buying toilet paper today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Great, what am I gonna do? Like, I didn't think this was like legitimately something that was happening. Um, I just thought it was like happening in some states or some places where people were or some stores where they were just buying up like toilet paper. But it was really weird. And then I ended up going to three stores because um, I needed a couple other things. And each time the toilet paper empties or the toilet paper aisles were empty. And it was like, this is wild. Like I, I had no idea. So I was able to get a pack of wipes because I was just like, well, if anything happens, then we'll have something to wipe ourselves with. But it's just, it's so strange to me. And then following, um, that week I went grocery shopping just for like veggies and the normal stuff, but everything was gone. Like all the freezer aisles were empty. Um, canned goods. I buy a lot of beans, like Beans are super cheap. Beans and rice, super cheap and like easy to it's cook. The way to go. Yeah. yeah. And all of those things were gone. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is crazy. <laughs> it was just like I felt silly for not preparing since I had heard, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And then I started noticing how stores were starting to empty. And it just was like, wow, am I like really silly for not um, preparing better? But then I was just like, no, like I don't want to be that person that – right there's a fine line between being prepared and contributing to the chaos yeah exactly it's a it's a a weird line to find it is it's hard so huh yeah Jeez. anyway (laughs) we're uh we're still alive we're surviving out here and uh hopefully we can uh to our listeners uh get your mind off of it and maybe uh you know give you a little bit of entertainment here today (laughs) Mariah, what uh, what uh, headlines do you have for us today? Well, I have. <clears throat> let me pull up my <laughs> articles. Uh, museums, dead sea scrolls are all forgeries. Oh my um, goodness! Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> and then I also have Osaka Airport offers a private area for your dog to let out a wee. Um. <laughs> wait! 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 What? So there's an airport that's offering an area, a private area for your dog to go and like tinkle. 
<laughs> oh wow okay well, which i think is actually smart but I, we'll get to I, that i guess you kind of might need that yeah exactly um <laughs> and then last but not least british vicar catches fire waiting for god's answer <laughs> oh no wait okay tell you what let's let's get into that one first that one okay <laughs> what happened okay well so in light of uh the coronavirus uh, currently, a lot of churches have opted to do online church and mm -hmm. online prayer and online services, which I think is really cool. Um, but in Britain, uh, there was a vicar whose name was Stephen Beach of uh, St. Budo Parish Church, and he reacts to his sweater catching fire while delivering a video sermon. <laughs> Um, it seems as though he was getting his congregation to reflect on the experience of waiting in the final section of a sermon delivered from his home last week. Then realizing his shoulder had moved too close to the flame, he caught fire. But what was the cutest thing was the way that this guy reacted, Ethan. Um, <clears throat> his words were, oh dear, I just caught on fire, batting and blowing out the flame. Oh my word. <laughs> reacted and i just love it oh dear i um, caught on fire exactly oh my word oh my um, word <laughs> <laughs> so i guess video servants are a uh, part of the plymouth church response to the coronavirus just like a lot of those other churches um <laughs> <laughs> okay please tell me that video exists of the actual catching up it is it does you there can look it up all... yeah yes. it's really cute he's just so calm like there's like a little candle opera right behind him and he's just he's got his his elbow on the table and he looks like such a nice old man like he has this like sweater on and then he's like oh. he's really like enveloped in like trying to like get his congregation to reflect on on uh i think it's silence that he's talking about or waiting something like that and okay, he's looking okay. and then all of a sudden he did like you just notice the flame sweating and he just turns around he's like oh no and he's patting it out it's so cute <laughs> um <clears throat> so anyways uh his church is a part of the response or the webcam response to a lot of churches not being able to meet in person. Mm -hmm. So, but I think it's really cool because even while there is this mass pandemic, people still gather in this fashion for like school, church, work, community, et cetera. Um, so I think it's really cool that we live in that kind of era where um, we're not completely shut in uh, because of, you know, this pandemic. So yeah. thanks, Obama. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, he took it super well and he responded with my family loved it. And the youngest grandchildren want to know when granddad is going to set himself on fire again. <laughs> I love how wholesome this story is. No one got hurt, but a few people got to laugh during and after the process. Um, and I think it's really cool that like, I don't know, that's what we good, get out of it. Good and story. He, exactly. And his response, I think is something to be like mentioned he could have completely flipped out and then reacted negatively to the online attention but he took it yeah, all in yeah. stride and i think that is super commendable so uh, oh. that is my wholesome story of the day <laughs> oh good we need that <laughs> exactly that's what i thought i thought it was cute so <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, what was that first article you mentioned? Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls being yes. possibly forgeries. Yes, so, I, I read a little bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah, I sent it to you. Um, <clears throat> but basically, uh, some of the Dead Sea Scrolls have been found to have been forgeries. Now, this article calls uh, comes from Paul Seaburn, and he opens it up with, The Dead Sea Scrolls, the first bundles of which were discovered in 1946 in the Qumran Caves in the Judean Desert on the northern shore of the Dead Sea, date back to the 3rd century BCE, and are believed to be some of the oldest known surviving manuscripts in the Hebrew Bible. 16 fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls currently in the possession of the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. were recently studied by art forgery experts and apparently they're fakes. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, 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 dun! <laughs> the museum said this on the matter. The Museum of the Bible is trying to be as transparent as possible. We're victims. We're victims of misrepresentation. We're victims of fraud. Um, <clears throat> Oof. Uh, yeah, I know. Isn't that like, aw? <laughs> it's kind of disappointing, honestly. That's that's like, I think my first reaction I had to reading this was yeah. disappointment. But not all of the Dead Sea Scrolls are forgeries, just this particular set. Um, yeah, I, I read another article. I should have saved it, but um, mm. it was, it, it kind of raised the question, okay, since we found some forgeries inside those same Dead Sea Scrolls, what does that mean for the rest of them? Yeah. And the article didn't really have a definitive answer. It kind of left it open-ended. Um, well, but I may I, have... I would say the, the, the credibility is now in question. Yeah. I may have an answer for you on that one uh, okay. a little bit further into the article. Hold on. I'm checking my... Seeing if the recording is still going. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was just last year that the Museum of the Bible, a non-sect sectarian museum in theory do you know what that means i did not look up that meaning let's look it up sectarian because i wanted to be um like very clear and understanding that part but then i forgot to look it up so it means denoting or concerning a sect or sects okay so it's a non-sectarian museum oh that makes sense actually okay <clears throat> so it's a museum that's not concerning a sect a, like a particular sect like it's kind of like a non-denominational museum where it's I see, not like I see. is that does that is that true? not devoted not devoted to one specific sect yeah that's what that's what i would think it means <laughs> yeah that's 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 what i'm getting as well <laughs> okay cool all right so a non-sectarian museum in theory was informed that six of its dead sea scrolls fragments were forgeries the collection was donated to the museum by founder and CEO of Hobby Lobby, Steve Green, who refuses to say where he obtained them, nor how much he paid, but it's estimated to be millions. Um, mm. Okay, so why do you think he would not relay this information? Like, do you think the dealer made him vow silence or, like, take a vow of silence or, um, like... Oh. Like, at this point, wouldn't you want to, like, clear your name and say, like, oh, I got it from this guy. He, like, promised it was, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sound strange? Yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely covering his ass for something, I mean, hmm. whether it be his own. I, who knows? I mean, with, with that kind of money, you never know if it's your own life. Um, That's true. You know, who knows? Mm. 
Yeah. Fraud, also, fraud is a funny thing. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Hobby Lobby founder was that rich to be putting in like millions. Into, I mean, obviously, we don't know exactly what he paid, but it's estimated to be millions of dollars. Um, huh. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. You know, I don't know. For me, it is. <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so back to the story. Apparently, each exhibits uh, characteristics that suggest they are deliberate forgeries created in the 20th century with the intent to mimic authentic Dead Sea Scroll fragments. The report showed that the museum's fragments were leather hide parchment, which may have come from ancient Roman shoes of the era. Um, then they were coated with a shiny substance, possibly, possibly glue. I can't read today. <laughs> uh, that came from one source indicating all of these forgeries were handled by the same forger. Even though the Green family says they came from four different sellers. Mm. Um, plus, apparently, they were covered with minerals from Dead Sea Caves. Um, so, I mean, obviously, it was well thought through, even though it was a scam. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does this mean all of the estimated 100,000 Dead Sea Scroll fragments may be fakes? Fortunately... Most of these in, are in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem, and those have undergone intense scrutiny for years to authenticate them. It's the fragments showing up in black market markets and on eBay that should be questioned, the article says. Although I don't know why you would spend thousands or millions for something on eBay. I don't know. It seems yeah, questionable. You would prefer... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they do go inspect them in person, but ultimately <clears throat> mm -hmm. the, the sale winds up on eBay. But yeah, it seems like a weird place to do a deal like that. Right? Like black market, I can kind of understand, but... <laughs> private auction is what I would think that would go under. Exactly. Or like someone who came into contact with them would try to like, yeah, like try to sell it through a private auction like, or donate it. Yeah. If you're in the market for ancient religious texts, I don't think of jumping on eBay to find yes, that. <laughs> exactly. Like, it was really hard to even buy my laptop off of eBay. But, you know, just <laughs> cut costs and <laughs> recycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about buying laptops on eBay, by the way. That's all I've done my entire life. And it's, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way, but I've always liked it. No, honestly, like, uh, with your recommendation, this new laptop that I was able to get, is actually like really good and oh good um i really like it and the seller was super nice um but yeah it's just it wouldn't have been my first thought i guess because yeah. i came i remember the ebay of like yesteryear where it was kind of shady and like you know you would always hear about these stories of like yeah, people on yeah. ebay selling themselves or like there was this one tale i think it was like um oh well, I don't know if I should go in here. Basically, this lady posted on eBay saying that she had a particular fantasy and she wanted someone to break into her house and, like, perform this this act on her. And it was oh. like, what? Why would you post this on eBay, woman? Like, what are you trying to get yourself <laughs> killed? Like, she gave them details of, like, her address and, like, how to oh, get into the no. house. It's really oh, bad. So, no. like, that's the eBay that I knew of. And so, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. it's just like, wow, you're getting Dead Sea Scroll fragments from <laughs> eBay? Okay, that's cool, oh, I guess. No. But, yeah, I mean, eBay seems to have changed a lot from when it first started. Do um, you remember... <clears throat> uh, the guy back in the day who sold his forehead 
for advertising. <laughs> what? Like he um, like tatted it or something or? Well, it wasn't a permanent thing. It was the the deal was he, uh, he put his forehead on eBay up and he became famous and so he became valuable. Wow. Um, but it was basically like he he had his agreement in in the the auction listing. It was like. I live in Los Angeles. I will be walking the street um, from this hour to this hour, and you get to give me whatever sticker you want, and I'll put it on my forehead, and I'll be walking these streets at this time, and, like, I'm just a walking billboard. Wow. And uh, because he got famous, he wound up being able to charge, and people were buying it. Isn't there a website like that now where, uh, like, People oh, I'm sure can something hold up became signs of that. and like you can pay them to like write or say whatever. There was like oh, oh, what okay. was his name? It was like something Jesus. He was like a fake Jesus, but he would say like things. Um But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a website. I, I don't remember what it is, but it was pretty popular. Um a lot of YouTubers were using it and they could like um pay specific people uh and then like they would say whatever. The youtuber wanted and then like obviously everyone could react to what the youtuber had the people say and then also react to like what the people were like how they were saying and it was really strange but <laughs> but yeah anyways back to our story um it's really sad that this happens um like why would you betray the rest of the human populace to line your yeah. pockets i don't know yeah. i feel like it's really disrespectful um but Paul Seaburn ends his article with this, and I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, he says, it's too bad these forgers don't actually read the documents they're copying, especially the parts about stealing and bearing false witness. <laughs> and those who try to own these antiquities for themselves should remember the part about coveting their neighbor's goods. When it comes to ancient historical artifacts, religious or otherwise, we're all neighbors. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but yeah, so only six of them ended up being forgeries. Um, and seems like they got it from a private seller, although it's not quite sure where it came. We're not quite sure where it came from because uh, the Hobby Lobby family will not uh, like tell. But yeah, the rest of them hmm. seem to be pretty authentic. So Okay. But we can, I can, uh, we can post a link for everyone to look at, and then you guys can check it out for yourselves. Yeah. The so, Book yeah. of Enoch is still my favorite of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm, yeah. That was really interesting when we were, up, when, uh, like, we were going through that together. <laughs> it's such a bizarre story. Yeah. So many bizarre things that happen. But mm -hmm. It's cool, though. It's, like, really fun. It was a fun read. It is. It is cool. Although I really thought when you started talking about it, you were talking about um, the Book of Eli, the movie. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and I was confusion, like, yeah. what? It's, <laughs> I've never even seen it. Like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> That's a strange movie. I don't remember it that well, but I remember after finishing it going, wow, that was kind of weird. I remember everyone was really into it and like loved it, but I just... I found it really kind of boring. That and Inception, <laughs> I don't understand people's like. Oh, I think you're thrill about it. In the minority in that in that 
opinion. The uh, I mean, Inception is such a good movie. I know, like the the idea of it is cool, and the characters, like the actors that they got for it, is awesome. But the problem is when I've seen that video or that movie every single time, I always fall asleep at the same part in the movie. And then I feel like I'm in Inception and it's just like, I can't deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not a favorite of mine. (laughs) Start questioning your own reality, Mariah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is this real or is this a dream? I started watching Westworld. Have you ever heard of it? I, I think I got through the first season. It's really interesting. I haven't gotten through it is interesting. the first season. Maybe I have. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like the whole questioning reality and like what would you do if you were in that uh, scenario where, I don't know. Like for yeah, me, I yeah. see the AI in the show as like human because they seem to be like fully cognitive or conscious. So it's just like... I don't know. Well, they've got some sort of consciousness, right? Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. At what point does it become? At what point does it have a soul that matters? And, exactly. Yeah. And my <laughs> husband was like, "No, no, they're not conscious. They're just computers. It doesn't matter." I'm like, "No, it's not our world. It's like a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a theory kind of, you know, in this theory." And these people started like reacting like us humans, like wouldn't you consider them like fully conscious beings and he was like no (laughs) i was like huh can't stand you (laughs) did you ever see uh the original blade runner uh yes i have i don't remember very well but yeah very strange show that kind of is in that same vein Mm -hmm. movie but yeah I watched the most recent one when it first came out that was interesting too i still haven't seen that one Mm. uh 2021, I think they called it. I don't Blade Runner know. 2021, Jared Leto. <laughs> I don't anyway. know. But yeah, I do remember yeah. watching it. And it was, I don't remember details because when I watch a movie, I just kind of like push it out. So I'll never remember characters or something. But <laughs> um, I did remember liking it. So Did you ever see the South Park episode where ads uh, gain consciousness and take human form? No. What? <laughs> Online ads. uh like basically become the new AI and they they take human form and Stan at one point falls in love with one of the ads. <laughs> it's a great episode. It's it's an, a, a parody on like on ads. Okay. And how like we thought the birth of the internet was the end of the ads, but they took form in in pop-ups and oh it's great. Mm. It's a great episode. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. I do like when they uh, do things like that. <laughs> but anyways Westworld got me thinking yes. like uh with AI the way that the humans come into Westworld and like treat the the creatures in there it's it's really sad to see almost like they have no problem like killing them and like raping them and like yeah, all kinds of things yeah. and it's so sad and yeah. but that made me think of those uh AI clubs that are opening up in um what is it Las Vegas where they have AI for like um oh the robot brothels yes yes yeah, that yeah um, <laughs> that Unicult was a part of in like yes, creating yep. it's just yep. I don't know it's like how is this going to actually help us um with like I don't know um 
strange times, right? Like, yeah. What in the world does that mean for people in society? Because I remember that, yeah. one of her arguments was something about how it would make men better because they would have to learn how to act with the AI bots and also I, she was she was trying to uh say that men need to ask consent of the robot yes yes yeah but then also she went in and said that if men take out their energy on the bots they will be less prone to do so on actual women I and i was like that now what yeah, yeah yeah are you kidding yeah. me that it, <laughs> to me it seems statement. like it would only encourage men to continue you know taking taking women and doing whatever they want yeah you know yeah, it just yeah. it feels like i don't know i feel like it's encouraging the wrong uh attitude towards women and also ai like i feel like it's just disrespectful and dirty i don't know <laughs> i could be wrong <laughs> certainly doesn't sound wholesome right <laughs> right exactly like ai is cool and i think it should be pursued but i just i just I don't know. I, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I've read too many dystopian novels, though. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, so my oh, last article is oh, yeah. an airport that is offering. So it's called Osaka Airport Offers a Private Area for Your Dog to Let Out a Wee by Junko Fuhiti. Or Fuhita. Fujita. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watched your name. We tried. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, in Tokyo, Osaka's Itami Airport is setting up a toilet area for traveling dogs, complete with a pull for them to cock a leg on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is hilarious. Talks like that. <laughs> this airport has created a place for your traveling companion to take a dump. Um, apparently the toilet is in a fenced off yard outside the terminal. It will also have a shower and water bowls. Operator Kansai Airport said the peephole will flush. They literally call it a peephole, Ethan. <laughs> the peephole will flush. And it will flush. Um, <clears throat> it will be the first such canine comfort facility at a Japanese airport. Uh, so... Something I've never actually thought of because I've never traveled with pets before is where the pets would go to relieve themselves. Um, yeah, I yeah. just never even like crossed my mind. Same. Um, so I do think it's a brilliant idea, although I am a little curious about the automatic pee, <laughs> pee pole flushing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really getting a good grasp of what that's going to be like. Like, but. how are the dogs to know that they got to cock their leg up on a pole and then, like, flush it? Right, Like, do right, they flush yeah. it or do, like, is there, like, a human there to, like, help them out? Uh, are they just automatic? So when it hits, like, you know, like, those automatic toilets, once, like, you kind of sit up, it flushes. Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I am curious to see how that will turn out. And, um, but yeah, the rest of the article just said the service dogs are permitted to use disabled accessible toilets in the terminal, but the must be clean, the mess must be cleaned up. So yeah, for the non-service dogs, there is this new place for them to go. So yeah, huh. <laughs> I think it's well, smart actually. I think a yeah, lot of I airports mean, like, should do it. That's, that's 
anybody intending to fly with a dog is definitely going to want to fly out of that airport, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or just, I don't know, I think it should start being more incorporated throughout. So, hmm. what are what have you got for us today, Ethan? Uh, well, first, I mean, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know everybody's talking about this as well, but <gasps> I know Tiger King. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What an amazing show. Um, I love documentaries, but when there's one that like plays out like it's a brilliantly written script, like oh my goodness, is it's it actually a... good? Yes, yes. Um, I I don't want to give too much away, but uh, basically the the guy that this cent- uh, story is centered around, um, ended up at one point hiring a film crew to film everything he was doing because he wanted to make a reality show. Mm. Um, and so there is, like, incredible footage of stuff that was going on. And, like, you get to know this guy as a person and, like, all the weird things about his personality. And it's, like, just just the way the story unfolds and all the characters that are part of his story, it's just amazing. It's, Wait. You, you, you can't write a better story than the way this plays out. This is about Joe Exotic, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Did um, you watch but, the priming video that I sent you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, oh, no. I, well, I was in the middle of the show, so I didn't want it. This, this YouTube video to spoil anything. Oh, okay. I wanted to finish the show and then go back and watch it, but okay. I should. Um, yeah, anyway, just just a, a crazy, crazy story. And anybody who's like looking for something to watch, I highly recommend. Okay, but Tiger what's King. so good about it? Like, it's just well written? Like, well, it's not written, it's a true story. And so, like, these are these are people like living amongst us here in the United States, raising big cats uh-huh. and leading these gangster lives. It's just crazy. <laughs> I think he's a little insane. Oh, he's very, 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 he's a huge narcissist. Yeah, he's like. Oh, I didn't think of him as a narcissist. Really? Watch the documentary. Oh, okay. Priming. It's, it's great. Priming is so, not, so good. Um, like. He doesn't describe him in any way like a narcissist, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's there's this one bit um, when the the document or the the reality crew first shows up. Uh, the guy who was directing the shoot uh, wanted to get a little bit of footage to make like a trailer, mm-hmm. and so he got uh, Joe Exotic to like wear a crown and put like a robe on and sat him on a throne. And he was like, we're gonna call this reality show Tiger King. And you're the Tiger King. And so he he shot this like little bit of series of like Joe Exotic sitting on this throne. And after like it was shot, uh, Joe Exotic got a copy and I guess like watched it for hours and hours and hours, like over and over and over again, just could not get enough of seeing himself like robed as a king sitting on this throne. <laughs> wait Um, i thought he was in jail for like 20 years well yeah spoiler alert oh okay Um, sorry (laughs) he 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 does you know ultimately wind up he's he's in jail right now as we speak okay that's what i thought okay yeah yeah um did you get to that part yet in the show (laughs) yes i actually finished it uh i think last night okay okay Uh, did they uh, at all go into how he ran for president? 
Yes. Oh yep. my goodness. Did you see his um, um, running video or his video for like yes, getting in the running? Yes, yes, they show all of that. Okay, in the YouTube video that you watched, did they go into his race for governor? Uh, a little bit, but the whole issue with what was her face from Big Cat Rescue, it was like, oh, Carol Baskin. Yes. Um, yep. That kind of really overshadowed the video towards the end just because it is a huge part of like yeah. when he started to, it seems like he started to like lose In... it or he just got really involved and like um, looking like Charlie from Sunny with the chance with red, <laughs> red uh, thread everywhere. <laughs> Connecting um, dots that aren't there. <laughs> what's amazing about his race for governor is he actually put up competition. He, I, I forget what exactly he got, but I want to say it was like 15% of the vote. Mm. He got some real traction. People like saw him as a legitimate candidate. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy as his him? platform was. <laughs> He, he knew nothing about politics and so basically just hired a guy. Well, um, what was the most fascinating to me was his video, his campaign video for presidency. He's like really <laughs> honest, like maybe too honest in the video. Well, it's it's like the, I mean, not saying anything about Donald Trump, but like the, the thing that you hear so much about people supporting him is, well, he says what's on his mind. And mm -hmm. they, they're interviewing people in this documentary like who, who said that they were going to vote for him. And that's exactly what they're all saying. Like, he really means what he says and he says what he means. <laughs> OK. <laughs> and but, therefore, I'm going to vote for him. But like he literally said that like his running video was he refuses to wear a suit. He's broke. He's in legal <laughs> trouble, and he's done yes. drugs. <laughs> like, what? And he's got 68 tigers, yeah. Yeah, like, that oh, and I think just... he also mentioned that he was gay and, like, married twice or something like that. Um, yep, yep, that I'm gay and I've got you. two husbands. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am... Oh my goodness! It's probably like Joe. That's a little too honest. I don't know. Like, well, here's maybe like, you shouldn't he, say you're his, in legal the, trouble if you. His campaign manager <clears throat> took that to his advantage and spun it as like this is just how libertarian this guy is. He's living his best life and wants this kind of life for everybody. But if you're so broken in legal trouble, like everybody who's libertarian, like really like this guy but like the thing is, is like i don't want someone who cannot balance their checkbook running for like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know right, like right. the president like or right. in legal trouble <laughs> like drugs fine like i you know i'm pretty sure everyone every single one of the presidents in the past couple uh, <laughs> has done a little something something on the side not gonna judge but you know just I, and the suit thing doesn't necessarily bother me. Like, I mean, <laughs> at least he's wearing pants and stuff. I don't know. But the broken legal trouble part really kind of, I don't know. I would not elect him. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like but, get yourself together and then, like, you know, come out and say, like, I was once the, broke. Like... I was able to, like, change that part of my life around. Or I was in legal trouble, but since then I've learned and like made sure to, you know, get my Think life about in this order. though. Think about this. If you immediately own all of your weaknesses, mm -hmm. your opponents have nothing on you. If he were to sit or, like try to like, you know, uh, trivialize his his debt and all that shit, like 
people would pounce on that and he would look awful. But if he says in his campaign commercial, I'm broke, <laughs> nobody can say anything that he hasn't said already. True, yeah. It was brilliant. <laughs> Do you think you would have voted know. for him? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. That's, I mean, the honesty <laughs> to me is... No, I, I would not have voted for him. I But, like, I would have respected the guy. I would have followed every move of his campaign. Yeah. The honesty, I think, is a plus on his side. But just, yeah, no. <laughs> ah, goodness. Um, anyway, uh, getting to the articles that I uh, randomly found here. Uh, this one was kind of randomly making the rounds all week. Um, but this one that I pulled for uh, reference here is from USA Today, and it's scientists discover an ancient worm-like creature that's the ancestor of all animals, including us. Hmm. And they've got like a hypothetical picture of what this thing looks like based on fossils and just looks like some short, fat earthworm. Um, is it like- but like it's it's kind of, I guess, like being generally consented amongst evolutionary scientists that this is the original uh thing that like turned into mammals hmm how like why what's what are they saying is proof uh let's see here um i genuinely want to know so (laughs) yeah 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 like it's it sounds like too crazy to be like yeah we we should question what we're supposed to believe we came from a little short fat earthworm um Let's see if I can find some details here. Um, okay, so uh, it's a quote. It's the oldest fossil we get with this type of complexity. USC, uh, uh, UCR geologist and study co-author Mary Drozer said, the tiny fossil about as big as a grain of rice was discovered in Australia. Uh, evidence for these early fossils is rare, scientists say. Most studies rely on trace fossils uh, or the tracks that they left behind rather than the preservation of the soft uh, soft-bodied organisms themselves wait so uh, it's a it's the size of a rice grain yes yep that's tiny yeah how yeah. did they even find that that's so cool I'm still looking for this article doesn't really answer your question. Like, how do we know that this is the first organism? Yeah. This, this article does not address that. Um, so it doesn't go into, like, how they dated it, what their system of date was? Uh, it does not even mention their, uh, their dating method, no. Oh. They're just saying uh, 555 million years old. Let me uh, run a quick search here to see if I can find... Journalism today. Answers. Uh... <laughs> Claims with no facts to back it up. <laughs> uh, that was USA Today. Oh, that's uh... disappointing. All right, guys. So we took a short break to <laughs> try to do a little bit of research <laughs> on these questions that Mariah raised because they're good questions and they're kind of obvious ones too. But I am unable to find anything. So uh, we're going to link the usa today article here and um keep looking around if we find any updates we'll (laughs) maybe update our social media or something but uh in the meantime if any of you have answers or are aware of this uh let us know and uh 
<laughs> inform us. I am a little disappointed because I was really hoping that it would be like pictures of like big earthworms, like in the novel Dune, <laughs> where they're like crawling in the sand and like <laughs> there were little like bur huge burrowers that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking, like with like gnashing teeth and stuff. But then. <laughs> You were like, it's the size of a grain rice. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> not, not to uh, get too far off topic here, but uh, do you remember in the the last Hobbit movie where there was those gigantic earthworms that were tunneling for uh, the, the, the orcs? Yes, and I also thought of Doom. <laughs> Is that what the, the Doom worms are like? Uh, similar. Maybe not that large. It's a little different. Okay. Just read the book. It's a really good book. Yeah. It's worth the time. That's one of the more <laughs> bizarre additions that Peter Jackson put into that story. Like mm. I don't, I don't remember reading about her. I don't think it was in The Hobbit, but I definitely I'd have to not go in The back. Hobbit. I, I don't even like remember that in any of Tolkien's other stories. I do remember else. The Hobbit. Maybe it's an appendices or something. Maybe. Um, I do remember The Hobbit and the Silmarillion were my favorites from Tolkien because, um, like, The Lord of the Rings, for me, I had already watched the movies and had yeah. been a part of that hype. Yeah. And then I read the books and I was like, wait, where's Arwen? Like, why isn't she, like, a big character? She was great <laughs> in the movies. I love how they made Arwen um, a more central figure and, like, yes. was more a part yes. of the story. And then yes. it was really disappointing to see that she was only kind of in the background a lot of the time. And um, and then just, like, so many little things. I don't know. The book felt slower. But maybe if I went back and reread it, I would yeah, feel differently. Yeah. Those, but... those movies are so brilliant. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, they rarely changed a thing. But when they did, it was like, yeah, that's making the story better. Like, it did. Like, yeah. An, an obvious thing to me is... Um, uh, in in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, mm -hmm. the omission of the bit about Tom Bombadil, like it it didn't really do anything for the story, and so I think Peter Jackson was like, kind of brilliant in deciding we're we're not going to tell that little story there. Yeah, it's it's not essential, and it made a better story. And then like yeah, as you bring up, uh, probably the biggest best thing he did was, uh, uh focus more on Arwen because yeah. that was. A great, a great character and a great story to pursue. And I think it was cool to see an elf like as a central figure besides like Legolas and stuff like that. Um, you got to kind of see what were her people called? What type of elves were they? The uh, oh, you're they weren't wood now. elves. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. Um, there's three types of <laughs> elves, aren't there? Quote higher elves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just really cool to see that, and then also. She ended up, like, in the story as well, in the book, she ended up staying. But it was just, I don't know, I thought it was yes, really cool yes. that they did that. That's why I was a little disappointed in the Hobbit series, the movie series, because the book, um, the Hobbit, like, book is so good and so full of, like, adventure and, like, more insight that I was a little disappointed with the movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still like the movies. Mm -hmm. They just they, they they were not as excellent as as Lord of the Rings was. No, it was so good. Um, it was still good, but if you didn't read the Hobbit movie or read the book, sorry, not movie. If you didn't <laughs> read the book, then like it would still be like, wow, this is really cool. But I don't know. I, I just felt like reading yeah. it was so much better. I am excited though. I've heard that they're coming out with a Silmarillion series, which goes into the lore of how 
um, Middle Earth yes. came about, and we get to yes. learn more about the elves and how they were the first creatures. And I don't know. I just think like like. Nerd it's got a lot of potential. Cool. I, yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to it too. Amazon, too. I believe, is is putting that thing on. That's so exciting. Do you know when they're putting it out? Um, who knows now with coronavirus? I think oh. they're like right now in the middle of production. I wouldn't be surprised if they were probably in the middle of shooting it. But mm-hmm. I, I, if I remember correctly, they were shooting for 2021. Mm, okay. Um, let's, let's look go. at how the movie industry like will. <laughs> really take a hit on this i mean people can't go to movie theaters to see movies yeah, that were supposed yeah. to come out like i i'm really disappointed because i really like going to the movies every once in a while not too often i go like every like two months or something for something that i'm really interested in yeah. um like parasite i was so excited to see that movie in theaters i didn't but it was just like mm. this is such a cool concept i'm really excited to see something different and i never went i don't remember why but um yeah i feel like the movie industry would take a huge hit from this covid 19 yeah, yeah theaters especially i mean mm-hmm. they're just they they can't open mm-hmm. losing money every day another thing was i was really nervous about libraries i was like no we won't be able to rent books for a long time because anyone that's possibly you know had the virus and didn't know it and we're checking out books and movies and stuff yeah, yeah. like i was like no and then my husband was like well the virus i think he said nine days it like can only stand on like objects for nine days. I don't know if that's true. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Conf- but conf- conflicting reports on that. Again, I've I've heard everything from three days to twenty one days myself. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but like <laughs> just like, who do you believe? Exactly. And it's just like how long are we not gonna be able to take out books? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little sad. Yeah. Um, I I found the answer uh they they were shooting for a 2021 air date. Mm. But um yeah, we'll see if that's changed by yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um another kind of random article. This one's not exactly recent. Um the article's from October of 2018, but I just thought this was a hilarious story. Have you ever heard of the artist Banksy? Yes, I have. Yeah. He's like a, a graffiti artist. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, have you heard this story about one of his paintings that went up for auction and sold for $1.37 million? Wow. And as soon as the gavel came down, the the painting self-destructed. What? He had rigged his own painting inside. The, the frame that it was being housed in was a shredder. And he programmed it so that as soon as it would be sold, it would self-shred. What? How would it even do that? It it just had like this mechanism. I I I was kind of wondering that myself. Like, did he have a remote control for it? And mm-hmm. it, it didn't actually say. Um, this is from NPR. This this article that I was reading, but um, yeah, he he had it so that it like had this mechanism inside that it would just run itself over this uh, this. Uh, bed of razors and it shredded itself (laughs) that raises the question in my mind was Banksy the artist like in the crowd possibly was he what now was he in the crowd like did he like press the button like did they clear all the people you're you're asking all the right questions and this article did not answer that oh no Uh, um so he um you know, later took to like social media and totally owned up to it. Um, he said, 
Uh, a few years ago, I secretly built a shredder into a painting um, in case it was ever put up for auction. Hmm. And then he, he put up the video of the mechanism that was inside and the way it was supposed to work. Wow. How does that work for the person who bought it, though? Did they get their money back? I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Wow. Does he does he say on his social media why he chose to do that? Um, I don't think he himself ever said why, but I, I think the way everybody's taking it is like that is part of the art, is the performance of putting it up for auction, having itself a 1.37, and then instantly shredding itself. Wow. Like, fuck you and fuck your money. <laughs> Oh no. Wait, okay. So he has social medias? Yes, he's got a uh, uh Instagram here. And still like nobody knows who he is. I'm sure maybe it's one of those things like Daft Punk where the the part of the th that image is like nobody has ever seen our faces before, but it's like well, people have. People know who they are. Mm, okay. Um but, the, but part of Banksy is nobody knows who he is. And, but, you know, I'm sure the word has gotten out who he is. Yeah, because the conspiracy that I've always heard about Banksy is that it could be many artists with the same style mm. that go throughout mm -hmm. the world and, like, put out artwork or graffiti, whatever. Um, but, hmm, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that, uh, I honestly didn't really know... Uh, who Banksy was before reading that, and so I really? thought that what, what that that <clears throat> performance was so cool that I looked at his art and I was like, okay, this guy's cool. I'm a fan now. <laughs> uh, he's been around for a while, I think. Yeah, apparently, I'm cool. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't know who he was before. Anyway, um, another article that I recently came across. Um, this is uh, I guess in. Uh, a little bit of a nod to our recent interview with Josh about the potential of healing in psychedelics. Hmm. Um, a story about a 15-year-old girl who accidentally took 1,100 uh, micrograms, which is about 100 doses <gasps> of LSD. Oh, no. Accidentally. It was put in a glass of water, and it was supposed to be shared amongst a whole bunch of people, and this girl you know, didn't know how much, how, how, how potent the water was, and so she drank too much. Whoa. All right, so the, the article says here, uh, this is from Vice, by the way. I'll link this one as well. Uh, anyway, the, the article says, uh, so she took a whopping 1,100 micrograms. For the next six hours, her behavior became erratic. She lay on the floor of the, uh, she lay on the floor in the fetal position, tightly clenching her arms. Wow. Uh, her friends thought she was having a seizure and called an ambulance. Uh, no one was sh sure, though, if she was actually seizing, lost consciousness, or just lost in the overwhelming experience. The next morning, her father visited her at the hospital. She told her dad, quote, it's over. He thought she meant the acid trip. She clarified that no, her bipolar illness, which had caused daily major episodes, seemed to be cured. Wow. A week later, her symptoms still had not returned. Doctors followed her progress for over a year, and nearly two decades later, she still hasn't experienced episodes of depression or mania outside of postpartum depression. Wow. Looking back on the overdose, she said it felt like her brain chemistry had somehow been, quote, reset. <laughs> so anyway, yes, we, we need to keep 
researching the healing abilities of psychedelics because sometimes you come across incredible stories like this. Hmm. How yeah. did she drink too much? Like, what were they supposed to do? Was it like 20 people in a group where they were only supposed to take a so, sip? Like, so how LSD, did from they what allow I understand, her to drink that much? <laughs> in its original form, it's a liquid. Mm, okay. um, before like the acid tabs are dipped into the liquid um, it, it's it's a liquid and so basically it seems like uh, she probably had a chemist there at the party and the chemist like took the the liquid and put it into a glass of water and like a drop of LSD is like incredibly potent Hmm. Um, and so just depending on how much she put in the glass of water, depending on how many people were supposed to evenly share it, mm -hmm. uh, she just wound up having, who knows, maybe just two small sips. Wow. And, and that's, that's too much. It seems incredibly irresponsible of whoever put that together though. Oh, like of course, to of course, allow yeah. the glass of water to be sitting somewhere and someone and to Obviously take... also not to mention like handing it to a 15 year old. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's... Like, who Incredibly allowed her to be at that party? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. it was, gathering. I mean... Or partake. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's incredibly irresponsible. Or maybe she wasn't <laughs> even supposed to partake. Maybe she was just there and then just saw, like... But why would you drink out of a glass that you didn't pour yourself? To me, that's just like, wow, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, even, yeah. even if I'm around people that I know, I still normally go and get my own, like, drink. I don't know. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. But that does, uh, I do know a lot of people do microdosing of LSD. Um, they will microdose and they notice like a huge difference with work productivity and their lifestyle in general. They have a more positive outlook. So it is something to continue researching. It just seems incredibly irresponsible to allow a 15 year old to, to partake in that large <laughs> of a dosage. Hmm. All right, the last little story that I found that I thought was pretty funny. Um, I know we talked earlier about like the the rush to get toilet paper. <laughs> Apparently, in Newport, Oregon, um, the police department out there was having such an issue with people dialing nine one one because they were panicking about. Not either not having toilet paper or not being able to buy toilet paper. Oh no! That they were forced to issue a statement over social media on Facebook, a statement about please do not call nine one one because you're out of toilet paper. Oh no! Um, it's just it's it's so ridiculous. It, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, the, whoever wrote this post is is has a great sense of humor. Um, I'm just gonna read the the post real quick here. It's hard to believe that we even have to post this. Do not call 911 just because you ran out of toilet paper. You will survive without your without our assistance. In fact, oh. history offers many other options for you to use in your time of need if you cannot find a roll of your favorite soft, ultra plush, two-ply, citrus-scented tissue. Whoa, that's what the police said? Yes, yes, it oh. continues. Uh... Seamen used old rope and anchor lines soaked in salt water. Ancient <laughs> Romans used a sea sponge on a stick, also soaked in salt water. <laughs> we are a coastal town. We have an abundance of salt water available. 
Oh my goodness. Seashells were also used. What? M- Mayans used corn cobs. Colonial Americans also used the core of the cob. Farmers not only used corn cob, but also used pages from the farmer's almanac. Many Americans <laughs> took advantage of the numerous pages torn from free catalogs such as Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> anyway, it continues and continues. Um, I'm just going to read the end here. Um, when all else fails, you have magazine pages. Start saving those catalogs you get in the mail that you usually toss out of the recycle bin. Be resourceful. Be patient. There is a TP sort- shortage. This too shall pass. Just don't call 911. We cannot wow. bring you toilet paper. <laughs> I wonder like what the thought process was behind calling 911 because I, I, I don't know. I had a an experience once where my sister and I were playing uh, tag. We had a two-story house growing up. And on the second story, um, my sister and I would play hide and seek because my parents couldn't hear below that we were like running around and stuff. And I threatened to call, I get really scared. So I threatened to call 911 on my sister for chasing me. (laughs) And she was like, do it. And I was like, bet. And so I dialed 911 and then like hung up. I thought that like, if you just dial it, it's fine. And then like 10 minutes later, there was a knock on the door and it was a police officer. And my parents were so mad. And I was like, and I had to explain that my sister and I were playing tag. (laughs) And I just have never thought ever since of calling 911 for anything other than an emergency. I don't know. It's just like, I, I get that toilet paper is short, but like what can the emergency response units do for that? They don't have a stock, I'm sure, themselves. Like, you know? I it's don't... just how crazy some of us have gotten. Wow. We're going to call 911. That's that's crazy. I, I'm just, I'm a little surprised that they said that, like the way they said that. I don't know. <laughs> I do I, think I, though. I, I love it. I, the, all we can do right now is have a sense of humor about things. Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. To me, like, I, I love the post. That is the perfect response to getting <laughs> emergency phone calls for toilet paper. I did think though, if I was, if we ended up running out completely and they weren't to be restocked, I was like, well, I have books that I don't read i could use those pages but then i was like oh the ink's bad for the skin like what is that gonna do but i was like well if it comes to worst like that's you know you you do have to be kind of industrious in that way gotta do what you gotta do (laughs) get creative (laughs) wow that's crazy (laughs) anyway uh yeah that's that's all i've got for us those are some headlines that uh i found to be either funny or fascinating well, this has been a good story time. Hopefully this was a nice reprieve from the monotonous. I know that social distancing is one of the best tools that we have in our in our toolbox right now for COVID-19, um, besides hand washing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, let us know, guys, in the comments what you guys have been doing to fill up your time, whether you're working from home, picking up a new skill, um, reading, watching TV shows that you've never really been able to catch up on, uh, let us know. And yeah, Ethan, what have you been doing to fill the time? Um, I've really been cracking down on making music. Um, mm. I there, there to me, there's nothing more fulfilling than than writing a song, and so I'm just always trying to get better at that. 
Mm. Um, it's kind of my um, my holy grail, if you will. That's that's the thing <laughs> that I need to always be chasing. <laughs> and so um, that and I'm there's there's just so much about myself that I want to improve. I want to get in shape. I want to read more books. Um, I want to get better at the guitar all the time. I want to get better at meditating. Um, mm. And so, I mean, like with with all this extra time, it's like there's now no excuse to not do it. Yeah. So I'm turning my focus onto you know making myself better in the ways that I want to. How are you uh, trying to get more physically fit? Because I thought you've always said that um, working out was like a block for your creative. Um... Yes. Yes, you're right. Um, if um, I if I get uh, into regular routines, working out hard at the gym, it seems like I start getting writer's block. Mm-hmm. And so I have not so far been able to find a happy medium of like getting just enough exercise that, you know, I'm not winded if I try to run a mile. Um, oh, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, that's how I am now, but I'd rather not be. I would mm-hmm. like I would like to be able to do that and, you know, just being healthy it's important especially yeah. if you're trying to fight off a virus um yeah. so anyway like right now I, I don't do anything i don't exercise at all and mm. uh in the long run that's that's going to catch up and so uh anyway I yeah know. i i need to find that happy medium though because it, it, it is a legitimate concern of mine when when i do work out a lot for some reason i just i have no creativity I have seen a lot of people picking up running recently because it is something that you can do without going to the gym. Um, you know, being socially distant, you don't necessarily come in contact with anyone, so you're not harming anyone, right. but you're also staying fit. You're staying out in the sun, which would help your immune system. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think that's something positive that came out of all of this. Agreed. Agreed. Another observation I've made, um, when I do interact with people whether it's at the gas station or you know the the ups guy who still delivers to our our office like Mm. everybody is a lot nicer to each other oh that's good um it's it's almost like everyone's getting the sense like we're all in a common cause we're in a we're all in this together fighting something it's like i don't know maybe i'm thinking too deeply about this but for the first time the human race as a whole has something to fight against. It's yeah. been a long time since the whole world has like had a real hardship that we all face together. And I, I think people are kind of like, whether or not they're conscious about it, we get that feeling like, so yeah, just be nice to the next person or the person next to you. We're, we're taking so many things for granted that yeah. I think we're, we're stopping to appreciate the things that, that should matter. I don't mm. know. I think it was Dan Carlin who said that war normally brings, like, one of the positives out of war is it brings uh, people from different backgrounds together yes. to fight for a common cause. Yes. Um, but with war, obviously, there's death, and obviously, the COVID-19 is claiming a lot of lives, which is very sad um, and devastating. But it is it is something that is bringing people closer together. Although something that I have been thinking about recently is uh, with this whole social distancing, there's a lot of encouragement to reach out on through social media to family and friend, uh, family members and friends that you haven't really been able to talk to in a bit. And I think that's cool, but I 
think, I'm not trying to be preachy or anything, um, just for some people that have uh, anxiety towards social media, it is important to keep in mind that even though you are trying to reach out, um, those other people, if they don't respond right away, it's important to remember that like um, maybe it's very hard for them to pick up the phone or text back because they have such um, an anxiety towards those things. I don't know, that's something that I've been thinking about. Like I have uh, anxiety uh, that is generally induced by <laughs> social media. I feel like there's a lot of um, contention between uh, people Mm -hmm. on the on the web and mm -hmm. so for me it's very difficult to get on to a social media platform and respond because one i'm busy and two it's just like you know oh, what's waiting for me today um you know so yeah. i don't know i think that's important to keep in mind is just if you do know of someone who has uh, a social media anxiety maybe just be gentle and try not to press too hard and reaching out just understand that they they're there, and um, I don't know. That's just something that I've been yeah, thinking about. Yeah, that's good. It may be difficult for some people, so. But yeah, yeah. Um, while we're on the subject of music, you recently published a website for your uh, music, Mustigo sure Brown. Did. Yes. How did how did that come about? Well, um, in the spirit of you know doing the things that I think I should be doing um, something in the back of my mind for a long time has been <laughs> I need a website for my music mm -hmm. um, constantly get asked by people about it and I'm always yeah I know I don't have a website and so uh, this week just decided well I've got time on my hands <clears throat> and I'm in front of a computer build a website and so I did I threw one up um, muskegobrown.com uh, it's not a pretty website. <laughs> I, oh, I, I think just it is. I, I will be honest. I hated the entire process of <laughs> setting that website up, designing it, and it's not at all what I want it to be. It's just, yeah, I hate the process, and so I need to find somebody who I can hire to take the controls and, and make it better. But I, I did want to mm -hmm. get something up because um, I have a lot of grand ideas for the website. I would like to... Uh, get more into uh writing um just i don't know like thoughts and, and reflections that i have about random things sometimes i feel inspired to write but i don't really know what the point would be mm. um and so i think um the blog section of the website um, has some potential there i have a lot of random uh lyrics that i've written that i never really turned into a song they were kind of more poems than anything and so I might uh, publish a few of those there. Um, and then, of course, um, I, I have big plans for new music that I'm in the middle of making. Um, I, I had previously gone under the, the stage name Young Goodman Brown. And uh, for the past half year or so, I've, I've kind of felt like I outgrew that name. I, I was always inspired by Nathaniel Hawthorne's short story, Young Goodman Brown, and had this weird uh, connection to that character. I always kind of identified with him. And so it, for me, for several years, it was the perfect vehicle for the music that I was writing. It was, it was uh, kind of dark and reflective, and I could embody a character who I like, had a little bit of a backstory to. Mm, okay. And recently, have just kind of felt more inspired um, 
about being more myself instead of uh, somebody else's character. Um, feeling, <laughs> dare I say, less bleak than the young Goodman Brown character these days. Um, and so I kind of felt the need to, to get my own unique name. And so I kind of just came up with Muskego Brown because I like the way it sounds. it's a cool sounding name and i Uh, feel like it's aesthetically pleasing i don't know yeah yeah it it just in every way for me it works and so i decided you know what this this i think i need to do this um yeah and so uh yeah i I, i'm really excited about some of the new music that i'm working on um i feel like it's my best work yet um recently uh was able to set up a proper music studio um before I had made all of my albums out of my apartment living room, which is just not ideal when you're trying to make rock and roll music. <laughs> um, and so this this studio has been fantastic. I'm I'm able to make as much noise as I need to and and do everything. Like the the apartment was such a limiter on on my potential, and I I now feel like I can really do anything that I'm inspired to do. <laughs> and so I'm I'm excited to to put out some music. Um, I'm thinking about putting out a single uh, very soon. Uh, I'm still working on it, but it's almost done. Um, I guess I'll give our listeners a exclusive preview. I, I'm calling the song right now um, The Skies Over Lake Delavan. And mm. uh, it's it's the longest song I've ever <laughs> written and recorded, but it's it's also my favorite thing I've ever done. And so I'm, I'm excited about putting it out. Cool. So will you put that in the end of the show or...? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I'll, I like I said. I still have a little bit more work to do on it. Um, and then I I like the song enough that my plan is, even when I consider it finished, I still want to sit on it for at least a, a couple bit. of weeks. Um, give it at least a week where I don't listen to it at all, and then with fresh ears hear it, see if anything okay. pops out that I need to change, improve, um, stuff like that. So I, I I really want this to be the best that I'm capable of. Oh, well, I'm sure you will do very well. And I am very excited to read about uh, your poetry as well. And whatever your, whatever thoughts you post up. So yeah, yeah, it's, it'll be a a bit of a balancing act and a learning curve for me. Like I, I write a lot. um, And I'm still trying to write even more. I just want to be in the practice of, of putting thoughts down and, and in moments of inspiration, putting words on paper. Yeah. But sometimes, um, like I said, when I put things down and don't necessarily put it to song, it really is just a writing exercise. And so if I come back and read it a few days later, it really comes across to me as just verbal vomit. <laughs> like I just I have to get something out. And so I just squeeze it out. And it's like it's not always uh, quality artistic writing. And so um, it'll be it'll be a, a learning experience for me to to determine what what's good writing and what's just uh verbal diarrhea if you will. <laughs> brown <laughs> <laughs> brown down uh can i ask you uh what is behind the name mosquito brown like what was your intention behind it or the inspiration well the the biggest reason <clears throat> i i decided on it was literally just because I like the way it sounds. <laughs> um, but, and then obviously, uh, Muskego, I, I drive on, uh, Muskego Avenue. It's a street in Milwaukee quite a bit. It's not a common route that I take. 
Uh, Muskego is also the name of a town that's about 20 minutes south of Milwaukee. Um, so Milwaukee or uh, Muskego is very much a Wisconsin uh, name as well. So I guess you could say the name is kind of leaning into where I'm from. Okay. Uh, Midwest uh, psychedelic folk music. I don't know. That's so cool. <laughs> Something like that. It sounds like the first of its kind for that that genre you just described, psychedelic Midwest <laughs> folk, <laughs> folk music. music. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm by no means... Uh, I mean, I, I get inspiration constantly. I, I'm not claiming to be anything that's never been done before, but... It, I will say, I mean, like, it's as unique to me as I can possibly come up with. And so that, I think, is was the, the driving motivation behind picking a new name. That's awesome. I think that's really cool. Thanks. I wish I was musically talented, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gifted in that, in that capacity. I took, I think, 11 years of piano lessons and uh, not so great <laughs> still. I could read music like sheet music but that's about it you're educated that's that's good (laughs) yeah just not gifted (laughs) but you're gifted in so many other things thank you thank you yes of course (laughs) i hope so (laughs) uh but anyway um i don't know about you but i think that uh, about does it for me for today's episode okay i'm i'm ready i hope this was good for you guys you could get a couple laughs out (laughs) yeah everybody keep your chins up um we're gonna get through this together yes cool all right that's all i got peace out bitches all right bye Oh